0: Good morning. So have you ever noticed how the church gives us periods of time in order to prepare before Christmas and Easter? Then afterwards, there's a period of celebratory time to allow both Holy Days to fully unfold. Prior to Easter, of course, we have Lent, where the focus is on fasting and penance and repentance and almsgiving. But this period of time before Christmas is something different. Pulling from the readings of these past weeks, Advent is the time for us to stay awake, to be alert, and all the while listening and waiting and making straight our paths. Many look at it as a time to look inward, to take notice of what needs to change personally in order to be prepared to celebrate the birth of Christ. So what has your Advent been like? during these times of the pandemic. Outside of marking the time by lighting Advent candles each week, what perhaps have you been seeing, or feeling, or doing differently? For me, it's been spending more time in prayer over what this first Christmas will look like for my family since the loss of our grandson, Julian. Last Sunday, we celebrated Gadaute Sunday, a time to rejoice. So I spent my time looking at all I have in my life to give thanks for and rejoice about in ways to bring about light and love of my grandson to others. But for many, this pandemic has left so many households financially, physically, socially, spiritually depleted that the sound of voices crying out has been deafening. Indeed, this Advent has been filled with numerous voices crying out, some we have found to be uplifting and others unpleasant. But faced with these and other challenges, I think the gospel gives us three points that may lead us to a better understanding of what we are called to do in these final days of Advent. First, did you notice the amount of instances that names are being used in this gospel passage? Throughout the year, our Gospels have been filled with stories of Jesus healing and forgiving, but most often nameless, like the woman at the well or the ten leopards. But within just a few lines of Luke's Gospel today, we hear at least a dozen different names of people and places. We heard the angel Gabriel sent by God to Nazareth in Galilee, to Joseph in the house of David, to a virgin whose name was Mary, who will bear a son and name him Jesus, and so on. See, when a story is really important, it's necessary to clearly identify the situation and to name the names. So think of some of the names of people in your life that you may have heard from or heard about this Advent. Those in need, those who are sick, those who have died, Those who would love to have a face-to-face meeting with you, but it's still not possible to do so. What about the names of over 300,000 people who have died from the virus? It said it would take one person nearly 10 days nonstop to read each name aloud. So what names need to be called out and brought forward in your life? Names to be remembered, to be prayed for, to be recognized, to be given thanks for. Brings me to the second nuance in this gospel, dialogue. If you go back and reread the gospel, you will find it's all dialogue and serious dialogue about a young teenage girl, not married, being told she's pregnant and will bear a son whose kingdom will have no end. It's all face to face listening and speaking. No texting or emailing or tweeting or Instagramming. No divisive rumors or assumptions or notions. Something I think we all need to examine in our lives and, frankly, as a country. We need to stop grasping at the various media snippets and gossip and then rushing out to our communication outlets and fanning the flames of impassionate and often inaccurate fodder. Rather, we need to learn to have constructive dialogue, face-to-face, or at the moment I should say, mask the mask and with that first step being to simply listen to the other. We need to begin in our own homes, and with our spouse, and with our children, and with our parents, and there our workplaces, and expanding outward. I fear we're losing this basic skill of having a meaningful, honest conversation where both parties are heard. You know, it's John the Baptist said he came to testify to the light. Well, that light is shining on you and me, and we can no longer hide that light under a basket. Part of Advent is about bringing new light into the darkness, and we can no longer bury our heads and avoid these issues. And lastly, Advent is not necessarily all about looking internally and focusing just on yourself. It's about actively preparing the way. For the past two weeks, we heard the Gospel accounts of John the Baptist baptizing with water as he was making straight the path and preparing for the Lord. But the action in today's gospel was the few words spoken by Mary. Yes, let it be done to me. It wasn't, I'll get back to you, or I'm really too busy, or it's not my problem. Upon hearing the angel's proclamation of her pregnancy, she had to be shocked, astonished, frightened, maybe even embarrassed. But she had the faith and courage to say yes, see, God is in it all. Whereas Paul writes in one of his letters to the Corinthians, God will be all in all. God can and will use everything. Absolutely everything. And actually, it's God who's doing the waiting. Waiting for us to say yes to the things in our life. Yes to naming what needs to be called out. Yes, to have open and honest dialogue. Yes, to make the changes that are needed in our lives and in our society. Advent is calling us to be conscious, awake, alert. Advent calls us to be open to how Christ comes to us every day. Advent calls for our participation by opening our eyes to our own brokenness and that of society. Christ is there, just waiting and wanting our active participation. And here's the kicker. While a liturgical calendar may say that Advent ends in a few days, Advent never really ends. For Christ is always and forever coming, and we are forever being called to vocally, physically, and mentally cry out in order to make straight the paths in our society and in our lives. We must refuse to allow suffering and injustice to silence us and force ourselves to re-echo God's love. But the presence of so much pain in our lives and in our country does not diminish the need to celebrate. Actually, it makes it more necessary. That's how change happens. And how wounds are healed. My friend and author and artist Jan Richardson recently defined celebration as a means to practice our willingness to see the presence of love in the midst of brokenness and to ask how God might work through us to put the broken pieces back together again. So, in five days, Time, we will once again celebrate what began with Mary's yes, the birth of Jesus the Christ. And using the words from my favorite carol, let us pray that our soul will feel its worth. The chains within our society will be broken and oppression will cease. As we joyously echo the thrill of hope, that perhaps our weary world will indeed rejoice again and again and again.